0: Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Jeff Griffin.
1: Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, stories of inspiring achievements and community contribution. Every week, we will celebrate an award program category winner or finalist. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know that Australia is in good hands. Together with our corporate partners and not-for-profit partners, Awards Australia showcase ordinary people from right across Australia doing extraordinary things. If you enjoy hearing the stories of our inspirational Australians, please subscribe, rate us and review us. We'd really appreciate it. This week's Inspirational Australian podcast guest is Belinda Adams, who is founder of Belinda's Big Bus Tour for Brain Injury Awareness. She raises awareness for people affected by brain injury. And Belinda was a finalist subsequently in the 2021 Australia Pacific LNG Community Hero Award, which is part of the Queensland Community Achievement Awards. And as I get into our discussion with Belinda, you will understand fully that she is a real community hero, Belinda. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Hi, Jeff, and thank you very much for having me today. I'm very excited to be here.
1: Oh, look, your story is uh, inspirational. You've done so much across a broad spectrum of things, and I'm really excited and can't wait to delve into your story so that others can learn more about what you do too. Being such an inspiring story, can you share with us firstly the story behind? Belinda's big bus tour for brain injury awareness how did that come about what was the catalyst for that happening
0: so the catalyst was my son sustained a traumatic brain injury in 2012 it was a severe brain injury he spent weeks in a coma and he was in hospital for three months when he returned home we got became aware of the lack of resources that exist for people in the community with brain injury and also of the ongoing barriers that people deal with, quite often trying to fit back into an old life that no longer fits and changes in personality and ongoing cognitive effects that can really impact their ability to go back to previous employment or just life as it was. So there's a real readjustment time and a long journey to to move forward and find where they fit now. And throughout that journey for us, I was very blessed to be surrounded by a lot of support. And Dylan seemed to move quite rapidly. I say rapidly, but it was still a long journey. It was five years before he was able to gain employment in a position that was the right fit for him. And that was at the PA hospital where he actually recovered. <laughs> he now yeah. works at the hospital where he recovered as a wardsman. So um he loves that job and he just went ahead in leaps and bounds. So once that happened, it was five years post-injury, and I really wanted to share everything that I'd learned and also to distribute resources and booklets around the country. So I uh raised funds we didn't actually have enough money when I set off uh, for the whole trip (laughs) but off I went anyway just saying it was a you know it would come the money would come and I'd make it to the end and the bus would make it because it was a pretty (laughs) old bus but yeah so that's where the idea for Belinda's big bus tour for brain injury came from and just out of a need to to really be a moving billboard to share an important message.
1: So many questions you bought the bus, did you fit it out, did you sleep in the bus or how did that all come about? What?
0: I did, I did. I had, well, it was actually family and friends. We had a working bee. Uh, my brother was instrumental because he'd actually done a uh, trade many years earlier in converting buses to motorhomes. So it didn't have working water or a toilet but I stopped at camps and people around the country, did. They once they found out what I was there, You know, they didn't charge me to stay overnight. And, you know, some of the caravan parks I went to were like, this is, I I earned the title of the best bus that had ever stayed. (laughs) And uh, it is pretty iconic. So it's uh, done out in 80s fashion. It's got music memorabilia and all my personal items, fluorescent yellow seats. And my favourite thing, the table, which is a working space invader machine.
1: (laughs) Wow. That sounds cool. How long were you on the road and obviously raised the funds that you needed to stay on the road for that period of time?
0: Uh, Yes. So when I left, I had enough money to get halfway. And then I had an incredible sponsor in all roads. They came through and donated the rest of the funds I needed to complete the trip. I drove for 32 days through six states and territories and drove just over 8,000 kilometres.
1: Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And was anybody kind enough to feed you or did you have to provide your own provisions?
0: I fed myself. So previous to this, I'd been working part-time at a law firm while I was still sort of, you know, part-time and then helping Dylan. And then once he gained full-time employment, I took a job working out out bush doing um, seismic exploration so that I could save the money quickly to do this trip so I could support myself to have that time. So I supported myself with food and things like that. But uh, I also had family and friends who flew in and out. So I always had a a passenger or someone with me to assist all the way.
1: Did you achieve your goal in raising awareness for brain injury?
0: Yeah, I, I think I achieved the goal. And we had so many interviews in the end with newspapers and radio and television news and Brisbane Times was the last one when upon my return, the first stop I made was at the hospital. Dylan was on. He was working. Uh. At, I just went back to the brain injury rehabilitation unit and he met me there out the front, you know, and this time you know, it was just quite an incredible moment of coming full circle because, you know, he used to be locked, well, not locked, but, you know, security there inside uh, they can't just walk out for their own safety. And there he was on the other side of the door. Yeah. security passes an employee of the hospital so it was pretty amazing
1: and you've done some pretty impressive media interviews you, you mentioned the brisbane paper what, what are some of the other outlets that you've been interviewed on and what's what do you think are some of the outcomes other than awareness i mean obviously what or what level of awareness have have you been able to create through these interviews
0: ABC Radio and print media have always been a huge support for me all the way along, um, not just with that tour but with um, all my other projects as well. And we had a lot of um, support from regional newspapers, which that was one of the key things that I wanted to achieve on the bus tour because I think people in regional areas are faced with great, far greater challenges than we are even in the city with um, being unable to access the same resources And also people having to uproot their lives and move to a city when they need that help. So they're obviously then dealing with far greater costs and income issues, which is often a big part of anyone who goes through a sudden traumatic event.
1: Yeah. You're also an ambassador for the Hopkins Centre. Now tell us a bit about your involvement and what the purpose of the centre is.
0: So the Hopkins Centre a centre that are based in research, rehabilitation and resilience, and they focus mostly on disability resources and creating evidence-based programs. So they were the perfect fit for me because when I returned from the bus tour, I spoke at an event, a symposium at the PA hospital, and they invited me after that to become an ambassador. And through that ambassadorship, I was also given uh, an adjunct research fellowship with Griffith University. So it has enabled us to create programs that have an evidence base, which is really important if you want them to be recognised you know, in the medical community and hopefully have them expand eventually.
1: That's fantastic. That's outstanding. You also founded Ballet for Brain Injury. Can you tell us a bit about that and your partnership with Queensland Ballet.
0: So that came about also with the partnership with the Hopkins Centre and Griffith University. So we had undertaken a scoping literature review and the evidence from that came back as being that dance has shown to help people affected by brain injury to re-inhabit their bodies post-trauma. It also can help with emotional, cognitive and physical impairments that can result from brain injury. With this evidence, we went to Queensland Ballet and said, because I knew they were doing amazing work already in the arts health space with their dance for Parkinson's disease classes. So I approached them with this idea that we could create a program that was evidence informed from the literature review and it would be specifically designed for people with brain injury and They were on board pretty much straight away and they facilitated the program. They were key in designing the program and we had some clinicians also who who came in and were part of the pilot program so that everything, we all were learning as as we were going basically, but uh, we've got a really good foundation to build on now and classes now run there every Saturday from 10am to 11am.
1: Fantastic. Do you get many people uh, through your classes?
0: Uh, well, we've had a bit of a break with COVID, but yeah. they're just picking back up next Saturday, the first Saturday in March, is the first class for this year. And we will be continuing on with the research uh, from that and hoping to soon go on to phase two, which will be developing a modified dance program that we can implement in clinical settings. So it'll be, you know, early intervention. And yeah, it's uh,
1: fantastic. It's
0: really exciting. <laughs>
1: Isn't it cool that Queensland Ballet providing services for people with specific needs?
0: It is incredible. The work they're doing there is absolutely amazing and, um, you know, hats off to them for being so inclusive and I think it really sets the bar high for, for other companies to sort of come on board in that space.
1: Yeah, brilliant. I believe you're also currently writing your memoir about your journey over the past 10 years and you've done a lot. You, as you mentioned, you're involved with other organisations too. Are you allowed to give us a little peek into your memoir and what other organisations you're involved with or have been involved with?
0: So the memoir sort of came about because it's been a bit of a crazy ten years, basically, and <laughs> I thought it's the only way where I can really sort of share everything—or well, not everything, but you
1: know. <laughs> that's
0: yeah. <really>. Well, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's been an incredible journey. And I think mostly the message I want to send is about not giving up and about how important it is to have connection because I wouldn't have been able to help Dylan if I hadn't been surrounded by the support that I was. And uh, I feel incredibly blessed to have him now, you know, in a place where he's returned to independence and I really want to pass on that information. And I think that not giving up hope is a key factor because quite often with brain injury in the early days, which you can understand, it's very difficult to be given hope because every brain injury is different, and there's no way to determine if someone is going to have a full recovery, what kind of recovery or what the ongoing deficits are going to be. So I think, you know, I understand that it's it's hard for the medical community to offer hope in those early days, but it's really important to have hope. And I think if, you know, if you don't have hope, you don't strive to, I don't know, to look for the answers, which is really, I think, the biggest thing I learned was to continue to read and educate myself on what we could do to further Dylan's rehabilitation journey. So I really shared share a lot of that in the book, but also the burden that is on put on caregivers. And, um, you know, carers represent a huge economic resource in Australia and worldwide with unpaid care. And I think especially with, you know, my experience with the carers that I met on on my bus tour, sharing their story with me about brain injury and their loved one, there's something that we we learned. uh, You go through ambiguous grief quite often because you grieve someone whose old life and perhaps Personality to some extent has changed, and it's an adjustment period for everyone. Not just you know, it's extremely difficult journey for the person with a brain injury, but for all the family members as well. It can be, you know, quite a difficult time, and we need support.
1: Yeah, it would be a terribly difficult time, and uh, I applaud you for raising awareness because with awareness comes support. It comes connection, and and also inclusion. Absolutely. If you don't know, if you're not aware and you don't understand or you're not educated mm-hmm. about whatever it might be, you can't be any of those things. So it's really important to raise that awareness and you know, hats off to you for, for doing that and doing so much and being such a, a passionate ambassador for awareness and brain injury. And on a slightly different tack, last year you completed a postgraduate certificate in creative business and you've been working on some of Australia's biggest film and television productions which is massive tell us more
0: Uh, so I've always had a a passion for storytelling and I think you know Dylan's accident changed my journey completely and uh, I think I realized that I'd always had a passion for the film industry and wanting to write but uh, I'd always been afraid to pursue that as a lot of people are I think that we think our dreams are silly or that we don't want to fail or so after Dylan's accident I sort of realized well you know life is so precious and that we have to go for it you know regardless so I started making short films. I've done a couple of documentaries and music videos and things like that. And uh, I realized that I really wanted to learn the whole process from the ground up. So I started applying for jobs as a production runner, just to get my foot in the door and learn the process firsthand. And I've been doing that for the last few years. i most recently uh, worked as a screen Queensland attachment on Ticket to Paradise which was the film It's just wrapped with George Clooney and Julia Roberts that was filming here on the Gold Coast and up at Hamilton Island. So that was a, a pretty surreal experience and uh, I've learned so much but I think one of the the biggest things that has come from that is this family of, you know, creatives that are just so supportive and I, I found everyone in the creative industry seems to be driven by their heart and passion because it is, you know, a creative journey and they've given so much help to me on my journey as well and, and encouraging me with my work and yeah it's just been such a, an incredible experience
1: yeah well you get the impression that uh, the industry is maybe a little bit exclusive or not supportive of others but uh, from the sound just saying that is totally a wrong perception for anybody to have
0: Absolutely. When uh, one of the the things I talk about in my book was the experience where I worked on a feature film and I just happened to be driving the producer one day and uh, he asked what my passion was. And I told him about my work as an advocate and he offered the opportunity to raise money by having a prize to raffle off of a visit to set for the film. And um, because of that, we funded a drumming program in Broken Hill where we were filming, which is my hometown. And uh, we were able to raise funds to purchase uh, eight Djembe drums and donated them to the local Brain Injury Rehabilitation Clinic and uh, a pilot program ran there called Banging the Drum for Brain Injury. And, you know, it was just such an amazing experience to see the local community and the film community all came together to get that off the ground.
1: Brilliant. Such a great story. And I know you've got a lot of extraordinary stories that probably makes your heart beat a little faster every time you think of one of them. And they are so rewarding to know that people are out there wanting to help and prepared to help in times of need, which is fantastic. Now, you also formed your own production company. What is that called? And it sounds pretty exciting. Tell us a little bit more about that.
0: It's called Citrine Sun Entertainment. And I came up with that name because... Citrine is a crystal that is signifies a success and abundance and the sun, of course, is the light. So I, I'm a bit of a spiritual <laughs> warrior <laughs> the last few years. So I, I take my um, token seriously and uh, I wanted a name that had a positive attachment to it. So that's why I came up with that name. But the production company I started just wanting to well, it's also I've created the programs underneath that, but then also create, providing a platform for people to share their experience. And I think, you know, film and television has an incredible power to be able to reach people, sometimes just to entertain us and take our mind off something, sometimes to educate. So I hope that with my production company, and I'm still just an emerging emerging producer, so I'm just learning still, <laughs> but... uh I hope to be able to share empowering stories and enable people to share their experiences through film and television.
1: Sounds like we've got so many synergies in common in terms of our, what we do yeah. and what you do, raising awareness, supporting people, wanting to make a difference in the community. We certainly applaud what you do and we love being able to recognise people like yourself many of whom would not have the opportunity to be recognised in everyday life. They're not sporting stars or they're not A, B or C. You know, we recognise local heroes, but people who are just making a difference, everyday people just having, having a go, never giving up, as you said. Yeah. And I, I really love that because it's simplistic But it's so important. It is the gold nugget, isn't it, It for all of us to hold on to. So I think what you said was really spot on. Are there any other organisations or events that you've done or things that you can think of that you'd like to mention before we move on?
0: I definitely would have to say I've mentioned the Hopkins Centre, Griffith University, Menzies Health Institute, Queensland Ballet, also, the work that Screen Queensland are doing in, you know, guiding emerging filmmakers, Griffith Film School. I probably like to mention them. I've in discussions with them at the moment. We're trying to get a health film festival up and running to enable a platform to just for people to share stories that are uh, rehabilitation based. Because I find that often the the breakdown is between getting the information out there to people. Um, So, you know, a film festival that was solely based in promoting health and disability would be, I think, an amazing thing to get off the ground. So just recognising all the work that they're doing in that space themselves and incredible support from so many organisations. And really that's what all community work is about because you can't do it on your own and nobody succeeds by themselves. It's, you know, it's very interdependent and uh, collaborative. So, Yeah. yeah.
1: I'd love to have a Disability Achievement Award in Tasmania and I'd love to have one everywhere to recognise organisations that contribute to making a difference, to give people an opportunity who have a disability or a disadvantage, but also those who are in that position, situation, who are born with disability or disadvantage, who have really overcome significant barriers or overcome uh, and never given up, as you so eloquently put it. It's just a fabulous award, and uh, there are so many people who are just powering on and never giving up. They're just having a go, whatever level that might be.
0: Yeah.
1: So, so yeah, it's uh, such a good thing that everybody that you've talked about are doing, and we applaud all of them, now, I know you've been a finalist and a winner in a number of awards programs, including, of course, being a finalist in last year's Australia Pacific LNG Community Hero Award and Australia Pacific LNG are fabulous. They've been a sponsor of ours, of our program for many years, uh, delighted to recognise our Community Heroes, which is part of the Queensland Community Achievement Awards. Has the award helped promote your work or given additional kudos or credibility?
0: Uh, Absolutely. It it does. And I think, you know, it's a really humbling experience because most people, you know, to to stand up and, and get recognition for all the hard work is very humbling, but to meet other people who are all on the same journey and uh, of a similar mindset who are changing lives. And I think, you know, it's great to see because we often feel that we can't make a difference as one person. When you look at the whole, you know, world of things you'd like to change and how we'd like the world to be, it seems like a very huge mountain to climb, but um, the more people that are, are making those roads in little ways, you know, those little ways become big when the the more people do it and I think that having an award ceremony like um, the community awards is just an incredible platform to share those stories and things that I hadn't heard of and new innovations that are happening and a great place for connection connection to others who are like-minded as well.
1: Yes have you joined our alumni I,
0: I have. <laughs> I have to join the alumni. I must have my head a, in my book.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a good opportunity to connect with other like minded people, as you say. And you're right. Uh, we feel that you're inspiring everybody else, but at the same time, you're being inspired. So it's a you know it's a good circular movement of everybody inspiring everybody else. And I think you made a really good point that we probably individually don't feel we're able to contribute. Massive amount, but by being a part of something where you are with other people who are doing what you're doing in a different industry or from a different perspective, but equally making a difference, it does give you uh, power to keep going, knowing that there's it's not just you out there, you know, doing your bit, and yeah, and there's just not enough people going for the journey, and there's there will never be enough, but at least there are many. Uh, That's that's a really good point that you make. And so you'd encourage our listeners to nominate someone for the 2022 awards that's launched in May?
0: Absolutely. Uh, I think it's been a a wonderful experience for me and for many others, I'm sure, but even just for my my family, like they had a a wonderful um, night. It was nice for us even just to go along, you know, and get dressed up and... And have that sort of moment where you can reflect on how far you've come and, you know, my son Dylan and my other two children, Michaela and Hudson, and my mother came along. Where We've been a team from day one, so it was a, a team achievement really and, you know, it's a—I think it's a great platform, as I said, so I, I definitely encourage others to nominate someone that they think is doing great work in the community.
1: Fantastic. And it was a personal heartache for us not to be able to be there, being from Melbourne uh, where no one loved us last year (laughs) and not being allowed in anywhere, we had to watch on Zoom. It would have been a privilege to have met yourself and Dylan and all of our finalists on the awards night that we didn't have uh, the privilege of doing. But nonetheless, it gives us great pride to be able to bring these things together to recognise people like yourselves. So what's something quirky that we might not know about you?
0: something quirky well if you were to ask my family and friends that question they'd say finding something that isn't quirky would be a more (laughs) appropriate question but (laughs) I'm I love writing poetry and songwriting so that's my greatest passion that is purely just for my enjoyment and uh I am a mad Bon Jovi fan have been since I can remember. So my kids have grown up with Bon Jovi lyrics instead of nursery rhymes. <laughs> can and, you uh, sing us a song? <laughs> oh God, no. no.
1: <laughs> are you a singer or musician?
0: Uh, no, I just I've, I've actually collaborated on a few songwriting expeditions with various artists, and uh, I write lyrics. So awesome. Yeah, one one the most notable for me are. The, if you want to say quirky, um, I wrote a song called I'm Awkward, which is all about self acceptance and owning your awkwardness. And uh, my daughter recorded the song. And we drove up to the Crystal Castle in my bus with a bus full of people to f- film a music video.
1: Wow. Well, hopefully um, you can share at the end of our interview where people can see that and learn more about you too. That does sound rather fascinating. I can't wait to see um to view it. So what's next for Belinda Adams?
0: I think to try and get my book finished, about half, just past halfway at the moment. And uh, I've got a television series in development that I'm trying to get off the ground. So they're my two main focuses at the moment outside of work. So busy, busy, lots going on, but it's all very wow. exciting.
1: You have got a full plate. Definitely. So what do you think the world needs more of right now?
0: I think we just, we definitely need more kindness, more empathy, and more connection. And I think especially after, you know, the time of COVID, where we've all been so disconnected, you know, I hope that my experience or anything that if I can share anything, it's how important connection is. In so we really are a community. And You know, life isn't always easy. So having people around you and being around others when they need support, it's not always about, you know, sharing the good stuff. Sometimes we need people there just to listen um, when we're going through hard times as well. So that's probably what I would say the world needs right now is a lot of empathy and uh, a lot of love.
1: Touché. Do you have any other words of wisdom? Now, they are great words of wisdom, but do you have any other words of wisdom or encouragement for our listeners so that they can keep pushing to achieve their dreams?
0: I think the last thing I would probably say is don't underestimate your own ability to make a difference and don't be afraid to try something because you're worried you're going to fail. It's definitely something that held me back most of my life and I have failed many times. (laughs) But every time it's a lesson, and you learn as you go, and yeah, the, the mountain seems to be getting smaller for me. And it's been a very long journey. So I uh, definitely encourage others to live their best life and do the things that I'm passionate about.
1: That's very good advice. How do our listeners connect with you, find out more about brain injury and all the other exciting things that you're involved with? And there is a lot. I guess we're going to have to wait a little while for the memoir or the book. But how do we find out more about you and what you do now and to hear that song that you've recorded?
0: Uh, Everything is on my website. So I've actually got the songs. There's a couple of songs there on the website. So it's Citrine Sun Entertainment, um, www.citrinesunentertainment.com. And if anyone's interested in the Queensland Ballet Program, they can find information about that on the Queensland Ballet website if they go to classes and the information is there. They can uh, register or, or call Queensland Ballet and they can give more further information about the classes that are running.
1: Brilliant. And are you on uh, LinkedIn or do you have oh, a yes. Facebook yeah. or Instagram page?
0: Yep, I'm on LinkedIn and uh, Citroen Sun has got a Instagram and Facebook page as well.
1: Brilliant. Alrighty, I know those details will be in the show notes if anybody wants to look at those to get Belinda's details too. Well, Belinda, it's been an absolute privilege and pleasure talking with you today. You're a true community champion. You make a real, real difference. So, thank you so much for what you do and taking the time to chat with me today. And thank you again for all you do.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit more of the story and congratulations on all the hard work that you you all do. It's, uh, It's amazing.
1: Thank you. And I hope everybody's enjoyed the chat with Belinda today and been inspired by Belinda's passion and the importance of raising awareness of brain injury and never giving up. Until next week, take care, everybody. Stay safe, be kind and keep inspiring because together we make that difference. I hope you enjoyed today's interview as much as I have. We would love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you won't miss an episode. Join us each week as we talk with ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. Did you know that Awards Australia is a family-owned business that proudly makes a difference in the lives of those that make a difference for others? And we thank our corporate and not-for-profit partners for making our award programs possible. Do you know someone that's making a difference? Or maybe your business might like to sponsor an award? Contact us through our Instagram page, inspirational.australians, or head to our website, awardsaustralia.com. It would be great if you could share this episode with your network because who doesn't like a good news story? And please rate and review us. We would really love to hear your thoughts. Until next week, stay safe and remember, Together we make a difference.
0: Thanks for joining us today on the Inspirational Australians podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and have been inspired by ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. So it's goodbye for another week. Remember, together we make a difference.